Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about sunflowers and some late season scouting there. And uh, you may hear this and say, wait a second, Darren. I get it. If I've got grass or bugs in my sunflowers, I can still do something about that. But if I've got broadleaves out there and they're ALS resistant, I am in big trouble. And you're right about that. You are. You're you're in big trouble. We don't have good options like we do in some of the other crops. But uh, the disease thing, insects, and uh, even grass control are really, really big things. And they can definitely improve your sunflower production. But there's other things that you may consider doing out there too. And we're going to talk through some of those. Uh, speaking of other things going on in the field, uh, I don't know. I don't think you'll hear it today, but almost exactly over the top of the Ag PhD studio. We've got a helicopter right now spraying uh, our cornfield that's right around our studio and uh, doing a little fungicide and a few other things in there too. Uh, and Sometimes uh, I get questions, growers say, well, wait a second, what all are you doing there? And I do hesitate to say everything sometimes for the simple fact that we do a lot of trial work on our farm. And if we haven't proven something yet, we're starting on a small scale and, you know, hey, let's try this on 20 acres and see what it does or try it on uh, maybe a few more, depending on what, what the product is and how much risk we've got there. Uh, so just keep that in mind as you're listening to anyone talking about what are you doing? Just give them the follow-up question of, well, have you done that before and has it paid for you? What kind of return on investment have you got? Is that a safe statement, Brian? Would you say uh, we don't want to maybe say, hey, here's what we're trying necessarily. Uh, just we don't want to encourage anybody to to uh, go whole hog on something that we haven't even proven ourselves. Well, if they've proven, all that really matters is whatever you're doing on your farm. I don't care what we're doing, what your neighbor's doing, what anybody else is doing. You've got to prove it out yourself. So anytime you're trying something new, we would encourage you start slow. Now, granted, if it's a slight tweak, so I'll just, let me step back 20 years, so hopefully I don't offend anybody with anything current. But when it went from Roundup to Roundup Ultra, okay, all they did is added a surfactant to it. I wasn't too worried then. So quite frankly, we switched the whole farm. Did it really matter? No. But if it's some brand new thing, then you got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And you know, the other thing too, and, and we've talked about this, the timing on a lot of these products is is super important. And, you know, right now we've got corn that's at a pretty vulnerable stage. You've got to be careful if you've never sprayed corn and it's not quite to tassel or it's just starting to tassel. Uh, that's a very sensitive time in that corn plant's life. So you really have to be careful. We have talked about, hey, NPE, APE free surfactants, if we're going to use any surfactant at all but, and those kind of things. Okay. Okay, but Darren, here's the deal. Just yesterday, we were talking to an adjuvant company, and they go, well, we'd really like to see your corn 10% tassel. I go, what do you mean? I said, I thought your stuff was APE, free. They said, well, it is, but we still would rather be on the safe side. I'm like, whoa, 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 this is good information to have. And the reason why we're talking about this is we don't want arrested ear development or arrested ear syndrome. The, the deal is basically you can have tiny little corn ears if you use an adjuvant, the wrong adjuvant, at the wrong time, which is basically just pre-tassel. Well, apparently, it could happen even with an APE, NPE-free product. Probably won't, 
but we just assume you're either fully pre-tassel or fully tassel. It's that problem of, well, some of the tassels are out and some still have to come out yet. That's what we get a little concerned about. Now, I wasn't concerned about it before, but we're always learning things. And this too is why you just want to be a little bit cautious. So my advice is leave the adjuvant out unless you're fully tasseled or find an APE, NPE free adjuvant and you're fully not tasseled. So, or I should say, you're totally pre-tasseled. All right. So here's another thing, Brian. I, I just had a call a little bit ago from an agronomist who said, what do you think about the corn being shorter? They're uh, a leaf or two away from tassel and the corn is not going to be very tall at all. Now I'd say this from the genetic right. side, there are some hybrids now that companies are picking that are shorter, but in general, the corn's a little bit shorter in some areas, and much yeah, of that corn ended up being early planted. And I always look back at, well, yep. what is the planting date? What was the weather the first month of growth with that plant? Right. And in both cases this year, cold. if you planted early, it was probably pretty cold in May. Right. Yeah, it, it was. But what we always have looked for, if we're going for green corn, is we want something shorter. It's got better standability typically or less chance for lodging. And then you don't have as much stuff you have to run through your combine at the end of the season. And then you don't have quite as much residue to deal with after that. So shorter is great. Unless, of course, you're going for silage and tonnage, then it's not. Well, not necessarily. I mean, it, you would think that it's not, uh, but yeah, you're going to have to really have a beefy plant with some some big, wide, heavy leaves on it if you're still going to ton up, if you're going to be a lot shorter, that's for sure. It, it is right. interesting in some yep. of this short corn discussion, I know some of the breeders have said, you know what, if we don't go too short, but we're just packing those nodes tighter together, still having the same number of nodes, it could be some real high quality mm -hmm. feed too with less lignin out there. So there, there are a lot of attributes yeah. to take a look at. True. Yep, that's true. Well, you know, we're talking sunflowers and late season scouting. I, I think for me, the disease and insect thing are, are the big ones. If you had some grass, you probably could still get it under control. But uh, this late in the season, it's going to be kind of like what we're talking about in corn here. We're just keeping an eye out for bugs and for, for diseases. Any words of wisdom here before we hit our first break, Brian? Yep. It's keep scouting. Don't give up on any crop too early. Keep scouting because definitely insects you can scout for when you see them to a, at least a low level you can spray them and you still haven't lost a lot of yield disease you got to be preemptive you got to spray before you see a major problem that's for sure we want to be out there ahead of things that's why we encourage you keep scouting even though it's getting hot out there and uh, right in the dead center of the summer here uh, we got to stay after we got to stay vigilant in our sunflowers and other crops We'll have our phone lines open throughout today's show at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have a question, we'll be right back after this. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. 
If we only had 20 words to talk about AgBiome, we would say we are agricultural innovators, focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at agbiome.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today trying to solve the impossible. Late season weed control and sunflowers? No, no, no. We're not just talking about weed control and sunflowers. We're talking about anything going on in that crop and late season scouting. And of course, if you have agronomic questions about sunflowers or, or any crop, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. I'm not going to bother our first guest, Trevor Dale with Valent, about this because uh, I don't think we can control broadleaves very well late in our, our sunflower crop, Trevor. But what are some other things we should be out there looking for and, and trying to, to act on? Well, Darren, I, I'm really glad you brought that up because um, we got some pictures of uh, from a field out in by Roscoe where they did fall applied fierce and spiked in additional valor and then came back this spring and put on, uh, I think, five ounces of Authority Supreme. And the agronomist said that his biggest weed control pro- or weed problem out there is volunteer corn. So that... Uh, should be easy enough to control, yeah. and there's very, very excited about it. A uh, clean sunflower field is kind of hard to find. Yeah, it's it's tough, and I, so, and I get it. There are some technologies you can use, but when you think about ALS chemistry, it misses a lot of the toughest weeds like water hemp and kochia in, in sunflower yeah. country. So it's it's nice and it i'm does. not saying it isn't isn't a benefit but it it's not as good a benefit as if you had something else to kill those weeds so you're right starting with that pre-program exactly. is big okay so here's one of the objections that i'll hear from farmers oh man i'm going to have to spend quite a bit of money on my pre well yeah you might you have to spend a little bit of money but it's going to be well worth it you look at the price of sunflowers right now it doesn't take many pounds of sunflowers to pay for this stuff Exactly, and, and you're talking kochia and um, water hemp that, you know, I just, I, I look at, you know, bo- the fall program alone is is not good enough, and the, the spring program alone is not good enough, but the two together just work very well, 
and yeah, they're, they're spending a lot of money on their pre's, but not really anything on their post. Well, they don't have much for post broadleaf options. So I know um, you're probably not wanting to talk about weeds, but uh, I just wanted to bring that up as um, we have some excellent uh, um, looking fields out there, but it's it's got to start in the fall. Yeah, I love those fall treatments ahead of soybeans, too. That's been a nice thing uh, since I got you in line. you want to comment on that, what you've seen yeah. uh, going into soybeans this year? Well, yeah, it's soybeans, and now it's even spreading out into cereals. And, I mean, they're they're finding that, you know, foxtail control in wheat, for example, is, is easier with, with when they do a fall hurt residual. Um, soybeans, it's no different. I mean... Uh, it almost doesn't matter what it is, and we sell a lot of the, the post products. They're just not as good most of the time as the pre-residuals. Um, we ran into um, crazy heat and uh, windy conditions, so um, it's just so much better to start with a fall application if you can, if you're a no-till or minimum till, and um, then reapply something else in the spring. we get you as close to weed-free as possible at the end of the season. So, And then sunflowers right now are coming up. I'm going to start talking about insect control. Um, as you know, Laura's ban is gone. A um, lot of interest in Asana out there. It's been used in sunflowers for many years. So we got that for seed weevils, moths, etc. Um, we've seen... We're starting testing on sunflowers, but we um, believe that Exponent, which is an insecticide synergist, will have a great play in that market going forward. Um, we also have Quash fungicide for rust and sclerotinia control. So we have a pretty good portfolio in sunflowers. You know, there are a lot of different products out there, and it's not just the same exact things that we're necessarily using in corn and soybeans or cotton or, or some of these other crops. You mentioned uh, something different there, Exponent, the insecticide synergist. Talk about that one a little bit. How does that work? Yeah, it's so um, in, in a crop, or in, not a crop, but with bugs that have had repeated exposure to pyrethroids, for example, uh, they develop, um, well, they can develop, and they do, metabolic resistance. And so essentially what Exponent is doing is, is blocking them from being able to do that so that the pyrethroids still will work on them, or, or it starts working on them again. Okay. So it, you, you can get, um, I mean, it depends on the pest. You know, if it's armyworms or sunflower moths or what, it, it varies. And it does some on the insecticide too, but up to 50% greater control by putting exponent in there. So it's really, really interesting to me. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of technologies like this, and we've talked about it with Roundup-resistant weeds. Can we find some other mechanism to to take away that natural defense that those weeds have built up? And uh, something like this is, is kind of exciting just to even talk about. Uh, is it on the market today? And if so, how much does it cost roughly to the grower? It, it is, um, but it's uh, we're, demand is high, higher than... Um, 
what we have. <laughs> so <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it's gonna it, it's gonna run probably six to eight dollars. Um, but we're we're just starting in that market. You know, it's gone into potatoes with the resistant potato beetles, and um, now into sunflowers with you know. It's more difficult to control insects and crops without lowers being out there. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're definitely going to feel that. We're essentially to a one mode of action with the pyrethroids on sunflowers. So um, I'm excited about it. It's um, it is limited supply though. You know, a lot of the the timings that were out in sunflowers too are pretty fussy when. We've got these great big sunflower heads that are that are blooming, and eventually they they uh, tip down and these types of things, and it's tough to control bugs after that. What are some of the key stages that you'd say with sunflowers where you need to be out there? I mean, obviously we want to be out scouting regularly, but we've got to time these applications uh, to be able to be most effective as well. It, it, yeah, exactly. And then... I would say to err on the on the earlier side, um, because you know without the the great knockdown that they had with Lower's Band, because it was oftentimes a tank mix partner, um, we're going to want to be a little bit earlier than what we had before. Um, don't let it get out of hand, and then exactly what you said was scout, go out there and see how well it did, and follow up in those days after to see if in some cases they might have to do a second application. And I think it's the seed weevils is like R5.1, I think it is. I'd have to look back on that, Darren. But um, it's I, I would just caution guys to be, like you say, scout and be on the earlier side without the gassing effect that the Lord's band had out there. Yeah, we, we definitely have lost something there. There's no doubt about that. So uh, that's... Exponent if you can. Right. It will help a lot. Right. That's definitely something to take a look at for, for growers who haven't tried that. And like you said, supply is tight this year, so you may may need to talk to your suppliers ahead of time to, to make sure they can get some on hand before you need it to get out there and yeah. apply. So we're talking with Trevor Dale here with Valen. We talked about, hey, fall weed control and really getting after it. The pre could make your broadleaf uh, problem go away for the most part and that's a that's a good thing but then you got to think about the other things that we're looking at out in sunflower fields depending on rotation you may have some volunteer crop from a previous crop you mentioned volunteer corn and certainly insects and disease are things that they got to be ahead of too hey trevor thank you so much we really appreciate having you on today hey thanks darren have a great day you as well talking sunflowers and talking late season scouting on today's show and man we've had some weather i know the the little bit of sunflowers that we've got on our farm uh that weather was not kind to them but but they seem to be coming around and it's a pretty pretty tough crop overall we'll talk about some more management things for sunflowers and take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. 
No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. 360 Yield Saver pays back fast. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. For a 12-row cornhead, harvesting 2,000 acres of corn, you'd spend $7,200 on the Yield Savers. Those replacement gathering chains cut header loss by 80%. With today's corn prices, the grain you save will pay for the investment of 360 Yield Saver in less than 600 acres. This crop is too valuable to leave bushels in the field due to header loss. Put that extra grain back in your tank with 360 Yield Saver. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking sunflowers on today's show and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. I got Tony with us out in California right now. Tony, how you doing? Good afternoon. I'm doing well. Nothing crazy has happened yet, so, uh, <laughs> so I'm going okay. <laughs> you bet. Hey, do you have sunflowers as part of your rotation too? I, I do, actually. Um, something that happened as an accident about four years ago. You know, as you know, we have that extreme environment in Newberry Springs where our summers are always over 112 degrees, sometimes 117, 120. But about four years ago, um, I don't know, one sunflower seed got loose and it ended up going about 12 feet tall. And I said, there we go. No bugs, no birds, nothing bothers it. So um, now, you know, I have a small farm. It's 20 acres. 
I dedicate about an acre to sunflowers. Um, at first, I was harvesting them for, you know, for the farmer's market, for bouquets, for people, for ladies or whoever to buy for their home. Then come to find out the sunflower seeds uh, are fantastic as well. So now I have, uh, I have both going. That's, that's what I'm doing. It's working out, working out great. If I get some rain out here, uh, they do fine. Um, no diseases like my peach trees, you know, they, they get a little fungus on them, a little leaf curl. But the sunflowers just seem to, to muscle through everything without any problems. Well, you guys Problem. certainly get the sunlight and the heat that those sunflowers thrive yeah. in. So it seems like it'd be a pretty good fit. Yeah. Ab- yeah. I'm going to, uh, I'm hoping next year to double, double what I'm doing, more varieties. Um, yeah. See what happens. Absolutely. Hey, I understand you got some questions in your peaches and, and what's going on in those. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? I sure do. I have um, I have some beautiful Alberta peach trees, um, and you probably know when you when you pick them. Uh, it seems like within a couple hours they start to bruise uh, really quickly. They seem just to go south on me, and I from what I understand that's the just the variety. That's what they do. You can pick them at four o'clock in the morning, and by noon they're all bruised up. Just wondering if there's any any advice on the get getting any shelf life on those things. Oh, that's a great question. I know our friend Neil Kinsey and uh, and his team have worked on a lot of things to improve shelf life, and I don't specifically know on peaches what they found, but uh, if you can hang on, I'll get you. Or well, I, I'll have, I tell you what I'll do, Tony. I'll, I'll get back to you and get you a contact out in your state. Uh, that that might know. I'll right. see if they've found anything on that. I know what you're saying. It, it varies a little bit by the variety too. And you've got Alberta peaches, yeah. you said. Yeah, that's not the only one. The other peaches are fine. They they last great. But the Alberta peaches, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll harvest them in the morning. Um, I've tried putting them under water, cool water, and then in the refrigerator. Uh, it just doesn't make a difference. By noon, two o'clock in the afternoon, I lose half of them, and by the next day. You know they're they're just complete mush. I just don't get it. Huh? Yeah, that so, is. Yeah, that that's my. That is tough. Well, it makes growing sunflowers that much more fun because you don't have those problems. Yeah, take take out the take out the peach trees <laughs> and put more sunflowers. I'll tell you, much easier. And then you know the pro- problems with the birds too. The birds eat half the half the peaches, and then the other half, uh, you know, they don't make it very long. Driving me, driving me crazy. Luckily, I don't have that many trees, that many Alberta trees. But you know, if I'm watering them, I'd like to like to get my fruit from them. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, no kidding. How old are those trees, by the way? And and how long does it take till they're productive? Um, they're about seven years old now. I would say they started putting out nice sized fruit at the third year, um, and a lot of fruit too. They're productive. They have a, a heavy a heavy yield. Um, I have to thin them quite a bit. Um, they, they're nice trees, beautiful fruit. When they're when the fruits on the trees, it looks great. It looks like a Christmas tree out there. But um, you know, like I said, I, I pick them and and they start going south. Um, but like my O'Henrys are fine. Um, I have Kingsburg peaches. I, I have probably twenty varieties of peaches, and all the other ones are perfectly fine. It's just just these. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, 
Yeah, there's always something. Like it's it's interesting. It's interesting in in crop production. All things that we worry about with bugs and diseases and and other things and and the shelf life and the storability and uh, just the durability of some of these crops is is pretty tricky. So yeah, I'll I'll talk to uh, I'll yeah. talk to our contacts out there, Tony. I'll see if we got anybody that's having some luck with that. We'll get back to you. Oh, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, I I've figured out everything else. Like my watermelons, my cantaloupes, my Persian melons. You know, I have to, uh, the coyotes or whatever animals, they come out there and eat them the night before they're ripe. So I found, um, I get those wooden, those old wooden wood uh, harvesting crates, and I have to cover every melon a couple days before they're, before they're uh, ready to pick. <laughs> so, so you walk out in my field, and it looks like you just wonder what's going on. You see wood crates, looks like a truck dumped its load out there, but, but that works out there. Um, yeah, we have the oasis out there in the middle of the desert. We have, you know, it's it's the Mojave Desert, and we have 20 acres of food and water. So every creature that can fly or walk or crawl, they seem to find us. Oh, yeah. We don't have an insect problem. It, it's, it's an animal problem. That's what we have. You know? Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, but we're it's... figuring it out. It's got to be a challenge, no doubt about that. Well, hey, that's that's part of the price you pay for just having such good fruit, good food to eat, Tony. Yeah, well, it would drive you know it would drive my dad crazy. I just told him, I'm all look, you know, we just have to expect we're going to lose thirty, forty percent. You know, it's just kind of the the way it is out there to to grow that much extra. And he would hate losing even one watermelon. It would drive him absolutely nuts. But I, I guess, like you said, that's just the price. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tony, for being on today. We really appreciate it. I'm glad to hear the sunflowers are are working out for you. Yeah, I'm going to keep uh, moving along with those and uh, see what other flowers uh, may work. It's funny what happens by accident sometimes. Thank goodness that one seed found its way in the ground a few years ago. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That is, you're right. That's somehow, or sometimes how we find the very best things. Well, hey, thanks, Tony. Really yeah. appreciate it. Good luck to you. Thanks a lot. We'll see you. You bet. Thanks. Bye. We're talking sunflowers on today's show, and uh, it's interesting. Tony raises so many different crops out in in California, like you said, in in dry climate. And uh, he can water some of the things out there, too. But when you find that extreme heat and sunlight, uh, it's it's tough. It's tough for crops to survive, which is why sunflowers get raised a lot of times where they're, they're going to be. And that's why we talk about that weed control thing so much and trying to, to address it in a pre-emerge setting as much as we can. If we can get ahead of things and um, keep the weeds down, it allows our crops more water, more nutrients, those types of things. So that that's a, a great way to give your sunflowers a, a better shot at making it. Got Andrew with us now up in North Dakota, up in sunflower country, but get a question on another crop. How you doing, Andrew? Good. How are you? Pretty good. I got a picture of some corn leaves. They're a little wrinkly on the edge. What have you got going on? Uh, well, I think it's boron deficiency. I did a tissue test. I think we're going on two weeks ago, um, and it shows that I'm right at the bottom line of sufficient on boron. Okay. And I'm just wondering if you think that is visually boron uh, deficiency. I'm going to send a leaf sample in. You know, there um, there are a lot so of folks. It, 
there are a lot of folks that say that, that, that boron will do that. But I have, even in some of our plants where we've got plenty of boron, according to our tissue samples, I see some of that same symptomology. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily, oh yeah, every time you see a, a wrinkly edge to a leaf that you're going to have that. And I thought it was kind of interesting too. Uh, you know, I, I just was thinking, okay, well, what do other grass crops do? And I remember back in the woolly cup grass identification days and guys trying to uh, compare woolly cup grass to some of the foxtail species and uh, I know there's some guys in northwest Iowa that noticed hey woolly cupgrass a lot of times you got this wrinkly edge to the leaf and it got me thinking I wonder if that one was more sensitive to low low levels of boron or something than the foxtails were uh, I don't know mm-hmm. and and maybe some corn varieties are more sensitive too but I would say the tissue sample is a, a great idea I I would definitely get after that and see if that gives you um a good number at least to start shooting for. And then on our soil test, I definitely want to see parts per million getting up to at least one part per million on the soil test too, just to make sure we're getting enough into our plant. Uh, hey, Andrew, up are against a break here, but if you want to hang on, we can, can talk a little more about that. We'll be right back after this. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeal Pro Miticide from Valent USA. 
With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. I've been talking about sunflowers and late season scouting and things you can do in sunflowers on today's show, but we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Just before the break, we uh, we got a call from Andrew up in North Dakota, and he also emailed in some pictures to us, radio at agphd.com, of corn leaves have got kind of a wrinkly edge uh, and we're talking about boron deficiency and looking at some other things too. Hey, Andrew, just uh, over the break, I pulled up the Ag PhD crop deficiency app and I thought, I'm just going to see what it says about boron because I don't remember if we had any comments in there about uh, wrinkly edges. Well, I look at the picture when you you pull up the corn boron deficiency picture and those leaves, man, the edges are beyond wrinkled. I mean, they're super wrinkled up and uh, the ones that you sent are just, man, it's just a little bit of a wrinkle, maybe a quarter inch wide it is all. These ones look, uh, boy, halfway to the midrib at least wrinkled up. And it doesn't say anything about that in, in the description. It talks more shortened plant nodes. Uh, leaves are thickened, brittle, and curled, uh, those types of things. But anyway, it sure it sure could be that boron's part of that problem right there. Okay. Um, when I do get my tissue samples back, if it is boron or some other um, micronutrient deficiency, probably not a macronutrient, I am going to do on this field a trial of some fungicide. Would it be worth it to to foliar apply some micros with the plane, or is that just you sure is can it not enough water to nope. not enough water to get it down there? You sure can. You sure can do it that way. We're we're going to be putting a little bit of stuff out uh, with our stuff right now. We're we're doing some fungicide. We are adding a few things in there too. Okay. And then is there any concern, the, the corn's at about V8, is there any concern with tassel? I'm going to wait till tassel to apply the fungicide. Should I apply it before tassel or is the nutrients going to screw with, with tassel at all? You know, uh, it, it's up to you. The The boron is, is important at flowering. So uh, once that tassel's coming out, it's kind of a good time to have a nice dose of boron there. So you sure could, if you're waiting until tasseling, you could sure throw the micros in at that point. I, I like to throw micros in really early, like uh, at planting, to, to try to deal with some of the early growth things and and try to help what kind of kernel set there's going to be on that ear, at least the possibles. But then the other time would be towards tassel, like you say. That's another good time. I noticed there's some striping, too, on leaves. It's not a lot. I mean, your leaves look pretty good. It looks, looks like you have pretty good overall health. But I do notice there's a few lighter green streaks in there, too, so it'll be interesting to see. Have you just been dry and it's been a little tough for the plants to pull nutrients in, or has that not been an issue? No, I feel like we've had adequate rain. It is a pretty light field and for our area, but we did just get an inch of rain uh, over the weekend. Okay. Um, so moisture moisture should be okay. We did have a lot of rain this spring, so there could be some leaching going on. So I, I'm planning on looking at that in my tissue test as well. Sure. Sounds like you're on the right track. Well, I appreciate your help. You bet. Thanks a lot, Andrew. And yeah, if you if you want to send tissue samples in or something later, or or if you're looking for more help, just let us know. Sounds good. Thank you, Darren. Thanks. 
Uh, got another guest uh, up in North Dakota. Got Clark on with us right now, uh, talking a little sunflowers. Clark, how you doing? We're doing real good today. Yep, getting uh, putting fungicide on our springweed, hard and heavy. Oh, there you go. There you go. Have you got any disease showing up yet, or are you just trying to do something preventative? Well, we we were really droughty earlier on the spring here, and then uh, in the last week or so, we've picked up about four, four and a half inches of rain, and uh, we're just kind of right at that perfect time for fungicide and perfect time for disease. And I'm looking down, I'm sitting in the sprayer right now, I'm looking down at the leaves, and I do see a few streaks on some leaves here and there but it isn't terrible but uh, i think the timing is right so yeah yeah no kidding we were just talking with uh, ryan hunt out in southwest he says in southwest north dakota and he'd been down in northwest south dakota and for our listeners who don't exactly know where that's at uh it's pretty dry country where clark's talking about here a lot of times rain is uh, uh hard to come by but sounds like it's kind of a garden spot out there right now yeah, we've uh, really been fortunate here in the last, uh, well, it's just a whole different world this year. We, we had timely rains this spring, you know, nothing nothing big, you know, 2,500s, 3,000s, 4,000s at a time. Uh, for a no-tiller, that's perfect conditions, you know, you don't get it too muddy and get the crop in. And and then, uh, you know, when I was doing the herbicides on the barley and stuff, I was noticing that we were giving up a little bit of, giving up some bushels on the barley because I could tell the leaves were drying up a little bit. But then we caught this rain now and kind of turn the corner i think we've got enough to pretty much take this crop through if we wouldn't get this 90 degree weather we're supposed to get this weekend so that's that's for sure this heat can sure dry it out in a hurry especially when it comes with some wind uh so talk to us yeah. about the sunflowers now because uh if you've got some moisture to get the sunflowers started boy they're a pretty tough crop overall are, are you excited about your possibilities there yeah the the, the possibilities of sunflowers are her great right now with that with that rain we got uh, we built up some sub moisture down there and uh, we actually have a little water standing here and there in the low places so we've got the adequate moisture now and uh, they'll, they'll go get it they're they're in good shape um, got them cleaned up pretty good got the weeds kind of under control uh, and uh, yeah they're probably approaching waist high right now so we're uh, we were a little bit behind but uh, with some heat it's sure caught up fast awesome Awesome. Now, what kind of flowers do you raise? Are you are you, your sunflowers going for oil? Or are they going for something else? So we we've got uh, both this year. We've got oil sunflowers and confection sunflowers in. Um, uh, NAU Insurance uh, uh, is offering a new program this year where you can uh, insure the confection separate from the oils. And uh, I don't want to lose that program. So a few of us guys that are doing sunflowers are doing both confections and oils just to to take advantage of that insurance. Um, but yeah, everything looks really good. Awesome. Now, when you get waist high sunflowers, are there more things that you need to do? Have you got bug sprays coming up potentially if you have insect outbreaks? Uh, do you spray fungicide at certain timings? Yeah, well, we're, we're watching for bugs right now. Um, we'll probably, uh, of course, when they're about uh, just starting to flower, maybe a fourth flowering, we'll go across and put a, a passive insecticide on with the uh, with the airplane just for uh, weevils and that type of stuff. And we usually put some fungicide down at that time. Seems to be a pretty good time to do that. It uh, kind of uh, cleans it up, you know, just makes the plant a little bit more healthy. And, uh, yeah, it, it seems to have been have been working for us in the past last few years uh, doing that. So, But we're watching now. I, I'm noticing a few grasshoppers and stuff, so we're going to have to be careful about that. Uh, probably when I get done with this fungicide, fungiciding, I'll probably go uh, drive some ditches and some ravines and make sure we don't have... Uh, some uh, grasshoppers coming out of them. 
Sure, sure. Uh, I know one thing I've noticed in in West River, South Dakota, and I'm guessing you see the same thing in North Dakota. When we do get some rain, we get a lot better uptake of potassium. When we're on higher fertility ground, we get more potassium. We get a little thicker stalk. Uh, what are the stalks looking like on on those sunflower plants? Uh, are you getting plenty now that you're getting this moisture? I, I'm betting you got some pretty girthy stalks. Yeah, they're looking good. I, I mean, um, I, I can't remember the last time we've had a, a, a sunflower sunflower crop looking this uniform and nice um even even though there was some late planting and stuff it, they, they just kind of tightened up and they look they look really good um they, they look really good uh um yeah we we, we have uh, the potential of a, a really big sunflower crop if we can uh, keep the hail away and get maybe a shot or two more rain you bet yeah you're nearly home like you say on the small grains it's been fantastic to get some moisture and now we got a little ways to go on these flowers but uh, lots of potential for this very valuable crop this year talking with clark up yeah. in north dakota clark thank you so much really appreciate uh having you on the show and would love to hear more about that insurance product too and just kind of how this year turns out for guys that, that sounds like a great opportunity yep you bet i'll uh gladly uh, hopefully we don't have to use it but uh if we do, it'll be a good time to talk about it. You bet. You bet. Well, thanks, Clark. Yep, thank you. Talking sunflowers on today's program, and, and yeah, there's a lot of things going on in these crops out there. Uh, with sunflowers, disease control has been a, a big tip that we've gotten from some of the highest yielding producers. They've said, man, if we can just keep those leaves clean and keep them gathering sunlight and energy, uh, the the yield numbers have just been out of this world. I know growing up, we, we talked a lot about, wow, if we can just get one ton sunflowers, and, and we weren't raising sunflowers on our farm, but uh, other, other people that we knew, one ton flowers was really where it was at. And now we've got guys, even in, in South Dakota, where we farm, talking 3,000-pound flowers or more. It's due to a lot of these intensive management practices, like utilizing fungicides for plant health, really scouting and spraying, like Clark talked about, spraying early for insects don't don't wait till they build up to a huge number especially he said about one quarter flowering he's getting after it so he just avoids a lot of those problems just a lot of good practices that you can do to improve production we'll talk more about sunflowers and dive into the ag phd mailbag coming up next stay tuned what's new from new farm Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from Spraytech. Contact your local retailer or visit Spraytech.com for more information. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. 
The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get maximum spray drift control with Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Max Nozzles, the ideal nozzle for dicamba and 2,4-D applications, providing up to 95% drift reduction. Ensure you get the best coverage on hard-to-hit targets. Learn more at Pentair.com Hypro. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And yes, it is time for the Ag PhD Mailbag. We've got a number of questions in at radio at agphd.com. So if you've got an email, I know earlier in the show today, uh, Andrew was sending us some pictures of his corn that he wanted to talk about. Uh, if you got some background like that, it works great. Uh, otherwise, you can just give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got this one from John over in Minnesota. He said, uh, guys, got a situation here with Enlist and Volunteer Corn Control. And we've got Enlist uh, labeled up to a full R1, so just before beans hit full bloom, which we're almost at that point, and we're spraying Enlist, and we're also trying to kill some volunteer corn that's coming through. So we put on Enlist uh, one day and about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Then the next morning, we started applying um, our volunteer corn control with a strong rate and crop oil at about 10 a.m., but this was a couple of weeks ago when we got started in this process. The volunteer corn doesn't even look like it got sprayed at all. It's green and healthy. I'm wondering what could we have done different and how can we finish up here? Should we be allowing more time in between the sprays or should we be spraying the corn killer first? Hey, great question, John, and you're not the only one seeing this challenge. I know uh, there have been farmers that have been mixing the volunteer corn herbicide with Enlist. They've seen some antagonism. Uh, so for the most part, if we increase that to the full labeled rate of the volunteer corn herbicide, or at least go up, as allowed by label, uh, at least go up like 50%, we've seen pretty decent control on the volunteer corn. One of the challenges we've had this year, some of this corn has gotten quite big before it's been getting sprayed. So I like your approach here of, hey, let's spray these uh, on a different day. 
the the order of how you did this though is what I would change up. Now the old rule of thumb is always if you spray that grass herbicide first, you wait a couple of days and then come back and spray the broadleaf product. Well then it works pretty good. If you spray the broadleaf herbicide first though, you have to wait at least a week to spray the grass herbicide. And the reason that I say this, especially when we're talking about Enlist, because Enlist is 2,4-D choline. And when you spray any 2,4-D type product or, or dicamba product for that matter, uh, you can really ding up the grass a little bit. And then if you're spraying that grass killer, volunteer corn killer right after the 2,4-D or dicamba application, those weeds just don't take in the herbicide as well as they would have uh, before the 2,4-D or dicamba application. So what, what I would do is I would spray that volunteer corn herbicide first and then wait a week. Now here's the challenge. If you're still spraying Enlist, how long until those beans are in full bloom R2 and you're off-label? Now last year, Enlist was labeled through R2, no problem. This year, however, it's only labeled through R1. So as soon as we've got that bloom up on those top couple of nodes and we're officially in R2, you're done. So I know just looking at our field, some of the later later planted stuff, we could still do it. Uh, but the early planted stuff is in R2. So we're kind of right at that border and you may be too. So you may not want to wait a week. You may be ahead to mix them together if you have both things to get done and just go for it. Or if you wanted, you could spray the Enlist now. Just wait a week or so. Make sure that everything is regrowing just fine. And then go ahead with your volunteer corn herbicide. So that would be what I would do uh, in that situation. Hey, thanks, John. We really appreciate it. And and uh, thanks for bringing that situation to light too. I know we've talked with a number of folks running through the same thing. All right, I uh, get a question that came in from ENT, and this is about the Ag PhD field day. Uh, planning on coming to your field day, uh, just wondering, when are you going to release the full agenda and who's going to be the speakers and those types of things to try to plan out our day? All right, well, thank you so much for bringing that question up. Uh, so the Ag PhD Field Day is just a couple weeks away, coming up Thursday, July 28th. And if you go to agphd.com, you can just click on the, uh, right at the front page, yeah, there's a link to click to pre-register. So with that, we're, we're posting our our full um, schedule for the day. I know I've seen this come. It's been passed around here in the office. Uh, hey, let's get this thing posted. We should have that up very soon if it isn't already. I'm just pulling up the field day right now just to see if we've got that posted. Uh, boy, we may not. Uh, well, if not, we'll get that up here in the next day. Yeah, Alex, do you know about that? Is that going up today possibly? Sounds like it's going up today. All right. So we should have that very soon for you. And uh, yeah, I just check over the next couple of days. We should have that full schedule up. I think we got everything locked in now. So I would say this, though. It starts at 7 in the morning. By 7.30 or 7.40, there start to be multiple things happening. And at that point, we've got, I know, two of our uh, bigger name speakers are going. Brian and I are also doing some stuff already by 7.40 that morning. So if you can, try and get there at 7. It's cool that time of day, generally in the mid-60s to low-70s. It's really nice. It's the, the sweet spot of the day, so we like getting going early. And thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Uh, get this one in. This is in from uh, Christopher, and he said, Guys, 
I'm a young beginning farmer in northeast South Dakota. We battle white mold on about half of our soybean acres and have some white mold questions for you. Oh, man, Christopher, I wish Brian was here. He'd be he'd be drooling right now. If you ask about white mold or drainage, that seems to, to really light him up. But I'll, I'll take a shot at it here. He said, all right, guys, uh, I've heard you mention fulvic acid along with corn fungicides. Can you use fulvic acids or or similar delivery type mechanisms to to drive fungicides in? And so it means, yeah, you sure can. Uh, It just depends on, you know, what's labeled in in your state or your area, those types of things. We've been using a product called Nutex EDA as a delivery agent uh, to try and get that fungicide in, spread it out on the leaves and and help the plant uptake things. It's got a little bit of zinc in it too. And that's worked really well for us. Now he said, second question, he said, typically I've done contans uh, in spots in the fall. And I think that's a great practice. And he said, and I have done one pass of Endura in crop. Well, I want to make two passes this year in crop. And I'm wondering, would it be better to split apply Endura to get up to the max rate? Or would you use one pass of Endura and one pass of another product to get multiple modes of action out there? And if so, which second product would you recommend? Hey, Christopher, well, there are there are quite a few choices. I do like Endura as far as using a fungicide. At this point, your beans are already flowering, I'm guessing, by based on where you're at. So it's time to get going. Yeah, I'd run with the Endura first, and I'd spot spray it. I'd put it in those spots where, hey, historically, you've had some white mold issues. Maybe you don't have to spray every acre because, hey, Endura is not cheap. No doubt about that. Uh, I, I know one of the products that we've been using a lot, um, well, one of the combos, I should say, we've been using a lot of Domark in combination with Topson just to get a couple different modes of action out there in a second application, generally at about R3, uh, so two to three weeks later. Uh, I know there's some guys that are using ProLine. It's a little bit more expensive, but there's a lot of rebates depending on what other products you're using. That one's from Bayer, so if you're in the Bayer rebate program, that might be a a decent way to go uh, financially for you too. So, yep, we do like the Endura, and then we come back in on a second pass on our farm. We're using a combination of Domark and Topson, but uh, there's there's several other products that a guy could use. So it just kind of depends on, on what your situation is. Hey, good luck to you, Christopher. White mold is a, is a big challenge. I love the crop rotation aspect. I know in some of those spots, uh, we actually put in uh, some alfalfa and some acres this year. And you think about that, you put alfalfa in and it's going to stay in for at least three or four years. That gets you further away from that white mold, which they say lasts maybe five years, a majority of it in your field at the most. So you, hopefully you can work your way through that. We've also done a couple years of corn in rotation, and that's been a nice thing too. The more years of a non-host crop that we have in between soybean plantings, generally the better that we do. Hey, thanks. Really appreciate it. This one in from John down in Kentucky. And he said, guys, I, I am not a farmer, but I do enjoy your show. And I've got a question. I'm wondering, are any of the chemical companies doing research on killing Johnson grass without killing the other grass in my yard? Well, John, there are a few grass control products. I don't know if anything's necessarily labeled for Johnson grass, though, in yards. So is there some work being done on that? I am certain that there is. 
Are there some great solutions? I don't know any, but we do have a number of lawn care specialists that listen to our show. So I'm putting the word out. Uh, if you know of anything that's working on Johnson grass uh, and taking that out of the yard without killing the rest of the grass, uh, let us know. I know some guys have said they've uh, brushed Roundup on it, but man, Roundup is working less and less on Johnson grass, unfortunately. Hey, thanks, John. We really appreciate the question and your support. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.